Goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you are having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is, well, tonight is, it's very late on Wednesday, March 28th. It has been a, uh, what a week. Oh my goodness. I will tell you all about my week, my crazy week. Good stuff, bad stuff, lots of stories, somehow always relating to sports. Very excited to share that with you guys. I find two things very fascinating in sports. I find incredible success very entertaining, very interesting. Teams like the New England Patriots, athletes like LeBron James, incredible success is fascinating. Terrible teams are also very interesting. Teams like the Browns. The Browns are like a car wreck. You just cannot help but look as you drive by. You have to watch. But not every terrible team is interesting. Why are the Browns and the 49ers both incredibly interesting right now? Why are the Browns and 49ers interesting? Hope. Both of those teams have hope. The Browns have hope and the 49ers have hope. The Browns have had back-to-back number one overall picks. They just went 0-16. And yet I cannot wait to watch them. I can't wait to watch, hopefully, please, dear God, Sam Darnold. I really badly want to watch Sam Darnold play for the Cleveland Browns. And the reason why the Browns have hope and the reason why I can't wait to watch them is because I actually believe, I actually believe the Browns can turn their franchise around. For the first time in my life, I think the Browns could have a franchise quarterback and could win games. And the 49ers last year, even before Jimmy Garoppolo got to the San Francisco 49ers, the process of becoming interesting was already happening. See, when the 49ers hired a new coach, Kyle Shanahan, and a new general manager, John Lynch, the 49ers became interesting. And then, after 11 games, they got Jimmy Garoppolo started. Jimmy Garoppolo started for their franchise, and that made them even more fascinating. See, a terrible team is only fascinating If they have hope, I don't want to watch terrible just for the sake of terrible. I want to watch terrible with the hope it can turn around and get better. I'm going to make a dreadfully awful team. Interesting. I am going to give a horrendous team some hope. I'm going to make a terrible team. Interesting. I told you you wouldn't care. Washington state basketball. You do not care about Washington state basketball. Washington State basketball won four games in the Pac-12 last season. They were second to last in the Pac-12, and they had a 12-19 and record. They were awful. They were horrendous. I went to almost every game. I worked at them. It was not fun. It was not pretty. It was awful, and it sucked, and it was not fun. Not enjoyable to watch. The last time Washington State basketball had a winning season was 2011. So how do you give... Washington State basketball hope. Oh, it gets worse, by the way. It gets way worse. Robert Franks from my hometown, Vancouver, Washington. Robert Franks is awesome. Met him once. Great guy. Well, a couple times. Great guy. I actually shook his hand one time. Robert Franks, the best player, arguably, for Washington State, just entered the NFL draft. He's leaving college early. Ooh, that's a big blow. Your terrible team just got worse. Oh, that's not it, though. Malachi Flynn, who is also arguably the best player on the team. It's either Robert Franks or Malachi Flynn. Malachi Flynn is transferring and leaving Washington State. There were only three positive, te- three positive things on the entire team this year. It was Drick Bernstein, Robert Franks, and Malachi Flynn. All three of them are leaving. Drick Bernstein graduates. Robert Flynn, or Malachi Flynn is leaving for another team, and Robert Franks is entering the NBA draft. So Washington State's bad right now, but it keeps getting worse. And how does it keep getting worse? So how do you take a team that is already the bottom of the bottom and how do you make them worse? And then how do you give them hope? How do you give a team like this hope? Well, Jamar uh, Aragas, I'm probably going to screw up his name. He just announced his transfer as well. Now, this is not a kid who played very much. He only played, he shot four shots for Washington State. Not Not a guy who got a lot of minutes. But nonetheless, when players keep leaving your organization, when players keep leaving your team, it's hard to have faith in the coach. It's hard to believe, oh, we're doing the right things because uh, everybody's leaving. Nobody wants to be a part of this. Ernie Kent is WSU's 
basketball coach. Oh, and by the way, when you Google WSU, you don't even get Washington State basketball. You get Wichita State basketball. That's how weak WSU basketball's name is. You don't even get Washington State. You get Wichita State. That is horrible. Ernie Kent is Washington State's college basketball coach. He's been there since 2014, and he, he's a great man. I, I had the privilege. I was in the interview, with him, interview room with him after games a couple times. I even got to ask him a question. He's a very, very nice man. I, I, don't, I don't like tearing down a man like that because he is. He's a good person. You, you, it leaks out. It, you can feel it coming off of him. He's a good guy with good intentions. Just the truth. And I don't like it when people are fired. My dad's company shut down once. Uh, they survived the recession. A bad decision was made. His company shut down. That sucked. I, I have sympathy for people who lose their job. I, my dad didn't have a job for a couple of years when I was growing up. It's not awesome. It's actually awful. It sucks. But the truth is, Ernie Kent's coaching is not working. It's not working. No matter what you want to say, it's not. In 2015, the team went 9-22. and 22. In 2016, the team got better. They went 13 and 18. And yet in 2017, they regressed. They took a step back. They got worse. They went 12 and 19. If they kept improving, it would have been great, but they didn't. Even if you're awful, as long as you keep improving, I'll stick by you. But they didn't improve and they looked awful. I don't know how you are going to recruit people to Pullman, Washington to play basketball for Washington State University. They can't right now. And I don't blame them. Look, I've been on teams that suck. I've played football on teams that were awful. It's not fun. It's okay. You have friends on the team. It's nice. I don't mean to offend my former teammates, but it is not fun to lose games. It sucks. It's not fun. So let me ask you, let me answer the question. I will tell you, how do you give Washington State basketball hope? I'm going to tell you right now. How do you fix a broken program? Washington State University needs to hire Rick Pitino as their new basketball coach. Yes, that Rick Pitino, the same guy who just got in trouble at Louisville. Rick Pitino was fired by Louisville. He had multiple scandals. He had a scandal with Adidas where he was paying players. Oh, he also had a brothel on campus. I'm not condoning that at all. But I do want my program to hire him. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not condone that behavior. Rick Pitino is a scumbag, but he's a scumbag. I want to run my basketball program because I want WSU to win games. I work at almost every Washington State basketball game. I'm under the basket. I'm filming every moment. (laughs) I say this not because I like his behavior, but because I want Rick Pitino to make people show up to my games. You know how badly it sucks to go to a game and there's nobody there? It's weird when you can hear people talking six rows back and hear their entire conversation during a basketball game. That's uncomfortable. That's weird. I don't want to go to games where Washington State blows a 15, Washington State blows a fourth quarter lead and loses by 15. That's not fun. That sucks. I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose games anymore. It's not fun. Now, <laughs> it's interesting. Nobody wants to come be a part of Washington State's basketball program. And at the same time, nobody wants to hire Rick Pitino to be their coach. It's a match made in heaven. It's perfect. Washington State basketball and Rick Pitino, they need each other. Love it or hate it. Whether you love or hate Rick Pitino, you probably hate Rick Pitino. You can't deny this. In 2013, Rick Pitino won a national championship. The guy has over 1,000 wins. That's not one. That's one, zero, zero, zero. Rick Pitino has won over a thousand games in the NCAA. This is a chance to get a revel- to get a legendary coach. This is a chance to get a coach that Washington State could not otherwise get under different circumstances. Washington State should make a deal with the devil and hire Rick Pitino as their men's basketball coach. And, and they better do it soon because I, I, I cannot be the only person with this thought process that believes eventually Rick Pitino is going to get offered a job. Rick Pitino has an agent and he's looking for employment. And I think it's interesting if Washington State basketball players are watching this video, if, you're, if you are a Washington State basketball player watching this video and you're angry 
I don't care. You had every opportunity. If you're mad that I think your coach should leave, you should have won games. There was a video series made by Washington State about the basketball team this year called Respect My Hustle. No. No, thank you. I will not respect your hustle. I respect winning. If you give me results, I'll respect that. But nobody respects losing, and nobody respects a team that shows up with maybe a couple hundred people in the stands. That's awful. That's embarrassing. I want to see Washington State's turn, uh, program turned around. Rick Pitino. Love him or hate him, Rick Pitino could turn around Washington State basketball. I want Washington State basketball to hire Rick Pitino. <clears throat> oh, Jesus, what a week it was. It's only, it's only Wednesday. The week's not even over. It feels like Saturday or Friday. I'm, I am beat. I, uh, did you know I met Robert Siegel this weekend? Or I guess this week, it was Monday. Yeah, I worked at an event, and he was a keynote speaker. I filmed him. It was awesome. It was incredible. If you don't know who Robert Siegel is, he's the longtime NPR host of All Things Considered. He's a radio legend, and I'll admit, I never listened to him growing up. I, was, I pretty much only listened to Colin Cowherd's show, The Herd. It's the only radio show I ever have listened to. But I must admit, it was really cool to meet a guy who's considered an icon. He's considered a legend. And all my peers were flabbergasted. It, it was cool. I, was, I shook his hand, and it was just um, a cool moment. I was astounded. And Robert Siegel, the legend, said something this week about broadcasting that just has stuck with me. It's Wednesday. He, I heard this on Monday, and it just kept, it keeps rattling around in my head. It's not left me. If we are doing it right, he said, Someone is going to complain. Robert Siegel, longtime NPR host of All Things Considered, said, if we're doing it right, someone is going to complain. And you have to believe that. You do. I'm not afraid of offending anybody. I have strong opinions. I cannot live my life afraid of making people angry. I can't be afraid of taking chances. Now, I'm not afraid of offending anyone as long as I'm offending them with my opinions on sports. I, if you hate me because I like LeBron or you hate me because I said the wrong thing about the Browns that made you angry, that's fine with me. That is just fine with me. But I never want to alienate anyone because of politics or because of things that have nothing to do with sports. That would be a huge mistake and that is not who I am. That's not what I want to do. I, I hopefully bring people together with this podcast about sports. Now, with that being said, at the end of this episode, I want to give you guys a fair warning. The last topic of this podcast, I'm going to contradict everything I've ever said. I've always said I will only talk about sports. And I, this, is a, it's, this topic will be 95% sports. I'm talking about Reuben Foster being arrested for domestic violence. That will not be anytime soon. That's at the very end of the podcast. But I want to give you a warning now in case that's something you do not want to hear. You will have the opportunity at that point to leave. I'll let you know. I'll say, hey. I'm about to talk about Reuben Foster. You can do as you please. You can turn it off if you want. Again, we got an hour worth of show between now and then all about sports, awesome stories. But when that time comes, I'll let you know. Because what I don't like, there are programs like SportsCenter that will be talking about sports and highlights. And you're like, oh, it's sports. It's fun. And then they mix in a Trump reference. And you're like, that's not what I want. I don't want that at all. So I'm going to warn you guys when it happens. I'm going to let you know. I'm probably making a way bigger deal out of this than it is. Hopefully, I don't know. But I do know I will let you know. Because my goal is always to be authentic and interesting. I don't want to hide myself. I don't want to make... Look at my nose. My nose is all messed up. I haven't shaved. I'm kind of ugly. It is what it is. I'm not... I'm, you, know what I mean? you know what I mean. I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. I want to be authentic and interesting and honest. And, you know, I, I just... I, I wanted to tell you guys. I'm going to do that today. I'm uncomfortable about it. I'm a little bit nervous, but I keep getting asked... And it felt like something I should talk about. So we have a massive, massive podcast today. Between now and then, we're going to talk about Luke Falk. We're going to make a, a comparison about Luke Falk that I saw this week, and it was awesome. We're going to talk about Johnny Manziel. Should Johnny Manziel be an NFL quarterback? Should an NFL team take a chance on Johnny Manziel? We're going to talk about Ndamukong and Sue. Odell Beckham Jr. may be going to the Rams. Is that a good idea or not? My guess, probably not. Probably not a good idea. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about Kawhi Leonard. 
And man, I have a fantastic podcast prepared and ready to go for you guys. I cannot wait. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my full uh, hour-long podcast on YouTube and my best, most interesting clip, Shorter Little Breakouts. Wow, I've never screwed that up. I screwed that up for the first time in my life. Remember, if you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, I always say remember to at that part. Oh, well. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. If you like this podcast as much as I do, help me grow the audience by sharing this with your friends on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow by telling your friends. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I'm a little like frazzled, I guess. I don't know. Apparently, apparently I can't be myself. I don't know what's going on. Let's talk about Johnny Manziel. If I was on an NFL team, I would avoid Johnny Manziel at all costs. I would not want to sign Johnny Manziel to my football program. So Johnny Manziel threw at a bunch of pro days recently through at Texas A&M. He also threw at the University of San Diego. And after the University of San Diego pro day, he threw for, I think, 13 teams. Had a, had a good, it looked like he had a good day. Johnny Manziel, after the San Diego pro day, was quoted saying this. I have had spurts in the past of showing promise and looking like I'm on the right path. And when I think I get there, something else happens. In other words, he's on the right track, it's going well, and then he gets derailed. He has a setback. In my life, I have had a window to addiction. Now, some of you guys sat at the kitchen table. Some of you have had family members that dealt with addiction, or maybe you yourself dealt with addiction. I did not have that. What I did have was a larger window than most, larger window than some. My dad was the chaplain, the volunteer chaplain at a recovery care center in Portland, Oregon. So I would go there. I'd volunteer there almost every weekend. I would go hang out with guys who were in the recovery care program from recovering from alcohol addiction, recovering from drug addiction. And, you know, I, I want to be very careful with what I say. But the saddest thing about volunteering at that place, the the thing that broke your heart from time to time was when people would relapse. It was awful. It sucked. It was sad. People you you knew, people who you felt like you were on this journey with them, this journey to recovery. And then they would relapse and it was heartbreaking. It sucked. Not cool. They'd be out of the program. Now, if I am an NFL franchise, what I'm looking for at quarterback is stability. Right now, Johnny Manziel is not stable. Now, again, the last thing I want to do is offend addicts. I have a tremendous heart for them. I met some guys that I'm still friends with today. I mean, there are some people that, man, they did, they did really great things for me. I, I went to their birthday parties. It was awesome. I, there are guys I really care about. And the last thing I would want to do is offend anyone like that. But right now, Johnny Manziel is not a, an addicted person that's graduated the program. So, it was a, a year-long program, and right now Johnny Manziel is in about month three. If Johnny Manziel had graduated the program, he'd really proved himself. I'd feel a lot better about signing Johnny Manziel, but Johnny Manziel has not proved himself. Right now, Johnny Manziel has been sober, what, six months, three months, two months? I don't know. Right now, it's going well. Everybody rooting for Johnny Manziel is very excited. Yes, he's on the right track. This is awesome. But the truth is, Johnny Manziel could relapse at any moment. There are so many triggers. There are so many things that make you deal with temptation when you are a recovering addict. What happens when Johnny Manziel has a bad practice or a fight with his wife or this or that? The problem with Johnny Manziel is that right now he is not 100% reliable. And I believe Johnny Manziel needs to go to the CFL and prove it. If Johnny Manziel can ball out in the CFL, he can prove, hey, I can be an adult, I can be a grown-up for a year, then maybe give him a look in the NFL. But right now, Johnny Manziel isn't there. Johnny Manziel needs to go prove himself in the CFL. I'm rooting for Johnny Manziel. I really am. I, I, I like Johnny Manziel, the person. I, he's been incredibly humble. He's been honest. He's been real. It reminds me a lot of Ryan Leaf. Just... Seems like Johnny Manziel got to the conclusions that took Ryan Leaf much longer to get to. But I do believe the NFL is right. The NFL is correct 
in not signing him. If the NFL, if no NFL teams go after Johnny Manziel, I think that's the right move. But I also believe it's the right move for Johnny Manziel to approach and to pursue playing in the NFL. Both sides, neither one side doesn't want him, and Johnny Manziel is chasing something that doesn't want him. I'm okay with that. The reason why I'm okay with Johnny Manziel chasing something that should not want him is you should not settle. It's a common theme. Don't settle. That's a common theme I use on this podcast all the time. So when I graduated high school, I settled. I went and played Division Three football. Let me tell you what. Nobody growing up, nobody, nobody growing up dreams of playing Division Three football. I promise you, I did it. It is not what it sounds like at all. Uh, growing up, I wanted to play Division One, Division Two football. And what I should have done when I graduated was go to junior college and fight for it. I could have at least tried to make it to a bigger spot. Division three felt like settling. I should have tried for better before I settled. I believe Johnny Menzel should not go directly to the CFL. He should weigh all his options. He should do everything he can to try to make it to the NFL. I support that because for your mental well-being, you have to. But ultimately, Johnny Menzel will end up in the Canadian Football League. That's okay. That's where he belongs right now because Johnny Menzel needs to prove himself. He needs to prove, hey, I can be a grown-up. But I wish I'd tried for more. I wish I'd shot for the moon when I graduated high school because Johnny Menzel could shoot for the moon or he could settle. And if, if you at least try to shoot for the moon and you fail, that's okay. I can live with that. But it's really hard when you don't try and you never make it. So I'm glad Johnny Menzel is aiming for the NFL, but he will ultimately end up in the Canadian Football League. Now, <clears throat> need some water. I got to say, by the way, um, I apologize. This podcast is really late. It's really late on Wednesday night. I don't know if you guys know how busy my schedule is. I, I really, it is a goal of mine. It's something I'm working really hard to achieve. I want to get this podcast out much sooner in the day. On Monday, I got mine out, I think around one o'clock. I, I, my computer crashed six times. I was trying to upload it while I was at work. It was a mess, but I got it uploaded earlier. My goal and something I aspire to is to get this podcast out much sooner in the day. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, hopefully before three o'clock if that's humanly possible. Now, Sunday night, I didn't sleep at all. I worked 12 hours on Monday, plus I did the podcast. It's a mess. My life is crazy, but I hope you guys know that is a priority of mine. I do want to get the podcast out earlier in the day. I believe people can change. I do. I do very strongly. So Jed York is the owner of the San Francisco 49ers. And Jed York fired three coaches in three years. He fired John Harbaugh in 2014. He fired Jim Tom Sula in 2015. And he hired, fired Chip Kelly in 2016. By the way, if you're counting, because he hired Kyle Shanahan, that's four coaches in four years. That's not good. It's not a good look. But then what Jed York did was he gave Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, coach and general manager respectively, six year contracts. He said, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm going to be patient. So when Jed York did that, I put the 49ers owner, Jed York, on mental probation. He's on owner's probation. Owner's probation, owner's probation is the first step to go from being a bad owner to a good owner. There's bad owners, there's good owners, and there's owners on Owner probation, which is where I look at them really closely and say, can you make it? Can you get better? Can you change? Because I do believe people can change. I, I have to believe people can change. I cheated on my girlfriend in high school and it was awful. It was embarrassing. Don't do it. It was the worst. But people better change because I think I changed. I'm never going to cheat again. I haven't cheated since. I mean, I've been in a couple of relationships since. It's embarrassing. It's awful. It's the worst. Don't do it. So I believe people can change. So I put Jed York on owner's probation last year. I'm making the move right now. I'm putting, metaphorically, the Browns owner, Jimmy Haslam. I'm moving him from over here, and I'm putting him in the middle on owner's probation. I've called him a bad owner. 
we he fired general manager after general manager after head coach after head coach. And by committing to Hugh Jackson this offseason, by saying we went 0-16, and I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to trust you. For better or worse, in Hugh Jackson we trust. I thought that was cool. I like that. And he's committed to the general manager, John Dorsey. And, and I read a piece about Jimmy Haslam, the Browns owner, talking about his process in the draft selection, how he's evaluating quarterbacks. And he said, I just sit there and listen. I let Hugh Jackson and John Dorsey and all the football guys do their work. I sit there and I listen. That is good news. He leaves football to the football guys. He hears what they're saying, but he doesn't have any input. He doesn't talk about it. He lets football guys do football work, and that's very important. I like that. I am moving Jimmy Haslam from being a bad coach to now he's on coach's probation. He has taken the first step towards becoming a good NFL owner. I like that. I believe people can change. And I'm excited. I hope Jimmy Haslam does change his ways. He's, remember, he's a young owner. Jimmy Haslam has only been an owner since... Not, I, mean, he, I think he bought the team in 1999. He, he, it was an expansion draft. So I went back. I looked at the, the Browns schedule for years. The Browns... <laughs> I was, I was going to say, the Browns have only had two winning seasons my entire life. And I looked. They haven't even been around since the time I was born. The Browns franchise right now, as it is, I mean, there's records before, but the, the Browns moved to Baltimore and they started over with the Browns, made an expansion team. The Browns' current organization is younger than I am. <laughs> I don't know. I'm willing to give Jimmy Haslam grace and say, look, people can change. Jimmy Haslam appears to be changing his ways. And I want that for the Browns. I want the Browns to have a competent owner who's not a bad owner. I'm rooting for the Browns, and I think Jimmy Haslam is on the right track. I put him on coach's probation because I think he took the first step towards going from a bad coach to a good coach. <clears throat> so, the Rams signed Ndamukong Sue to a one-year contract. Woo! That's scary. $14 million they're giving Ndamukong Sue. And that's also after trading for Marcus Peters, Trading for Aqib Talib. Right now, the Rams have a ton of personalities. And there's questions. You're like, ah, are there too many alpha males on the Rams? Maybe. I think that's bad logic. I think right now, the Browns are chasing a Super Bowl. And so I, I like the attitude they have. This very moment, this free, frozen moment in time at 11.18 p.m. On, Monday, on Wednesday, March 28th, as of right now, I like their mindset. I think they're on the right track. They have a bunch of guys. They're saying, look, we're going to go all out. We have one year. We're trying to hit a Super Bowl. They hired Simon Jamek and Sue for one year. Marcus Peters has one year left on his contract. They're shooting for the moon. And so I think, I think it's bad logic to say they have too many egos because everybody can play nice for one season as they chase a Super Bowl. Now, are you putting too much pressure on the Rams? Again, no, I don't think so. I've seen that narrative around on the social media train or whatever you call it. I think that's silly too. These are NFL players. They're adults. They're professionals. You're not putting too much pressure on them. So right now, I love the Rams approach. They're aggressive. They are going for it. However, and you knew that was coming, you can be too aggressive. You can overdo it. There's a rumor right now of a trade between the Rams and the Giants in which Odell Beckham Jr. would go to the Los Angeles Rams. It's one thing to be aggressive. It's another thing to be arrogant. And that trade, the Rams trading for Odell Beckham Jr. would be arrogance. Right now, the Rams can handle Adamican Sue's personality. The Rams can handle Marcus Peters. The Rams can handle everybody they have right now. But if you think you can handle Odell Beckham Jr., you're incredibly arrogant. That's a mistake. I read an article, the 49ers aren't interested in Odell Beckham Jr. Not smart. They think he's not worth the trouble. Odell Beckham Jr. cares more about being a star than he does about winning Super Bowls. Odell Beckham Jr. wants to open his phone and see his name on the screen. 
Am I trending on Twitter? What hashtag am I in? That's Odell Beckham Jr. right now. Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't care about Super Bowls. He cares about himself. If the Rams do indeed go after Odell Beckham Jr., it would be incredibly foolish. They've done so well. They're on the right track. Don't screw it up. Do not. I remember my dad, so my dad got, my dad's company shut down. I shouldn't say he got fired. I don't mean to make my dad look bad. My dad's company got shut down. They survived the recession in 2008. And then a bad decision was made, a decision my dad could not control. And his company got shut down. A decision in New Jersey affected him and his company got shut down. Sucked. Not cool. Do not do that to the Rams players. The Rams have it great right now. They survived. They're on track. Things are looking up. And if the Browns, if the Rams, upper management, went after Odell Beckham Jr., that would be a mistake that could screw up everything. You're on track. I think the Rams are a favorite for the Super Bowl right now. Odell Beckham Jr., you already have drama. Don't get me wrong. Odell Beckham Jr. is even more drama you don't want. You don't want that at all. Odell Beckham Jr. wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL. That's ridiculous. A guy who we saw um, in Paris, whatever substance that was. I don't know what substance that was, but something. Now, does Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Rams look good on paper? Yes. But looking good on paper doesn't actually win games. Remember the 2011 Eagles? They were called the dream team. They had Namdi Asamoah. Michael Vick, Ronnie Brown, Dominic Rogers, Comardi, Steve Smith. I remember this team vividly. I referenced them a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, that team went 8-8. Eight and eight. You don't want that. Looking good on paper does not mean you could actually win games. The Rams should avoid Odell Beckham Jr. at all costs. Right now, they're looking good. Right now, the Rams have a chance to win a Super Bowl. If you sign Odell Beckham Jr., I'll bet you right now, the Rams will not win a Super Bowl if they sign Odell Beckham Jr. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I'm going to talk about Luke Falk and how I was wrong about Luke Falk. I learned a big lesson this weekend, or I guess this week. It's, it's Wednesday. I keep saying it feels like Friday. I learned a big lesson this week, and it helped change my perspective and taught me how I was wrong about Luke Falk. We're going to talk about Kawhi Leonard. We're going to talk about spring training and later... We are going to discuss Ruben Foster. My name is Zach Schaumler. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about this podcast. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, share it with your friends on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. If you understand Reddit, by the way. I know nothing about Reddit. It's like some crazy mystical force I don't understand. I like the idea. I don't know how to work it. If you can put this podcast on Reddit, that'd be awesome. Help me grow strong opinion sports by telling your friends. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. In surprising news, Peyton Manning rejected Fox Sports' offer to broadcast Thursday night football. This left me incredibly disappointed. I don't know if you guys know this story. Growing up, I had a poster, and a poster of Peyton Manning actually taught me how to throw a football. There were three phases of this pod, to the poster. It was this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, huh. And I, I would just sit in the mirror, and I would copy the poster, and I learned how to throw a football. It was awesome. It was huge. It meant a lot to me. And I'm very disappointed because I wanted to hear Peyton Manning broadcast Thursday Night Football. By the way, this was not, this is not on the notes. It's not prepared. Um, I would guess, so the... Fox Sports gave Cooper Manning, Peyton Manning's brother, a show, kind of a weird, silly little show the last couple of years. Now that I think about it, my best guess was that was a maneuver. That was a move to try to jockey for position with Peyton Manning. Hey, we helped your brother. Come help us. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Now that I think about it, that's maybe why they worked with Cooper Manning the last couple of years. They were trying to jockey for position and get Peyton Manning. Eh, I don't know. Never thought about that. Interesting how... They're every every single level of the world seems to have politics and people are trying to manipulate other people and do this and that. I don't know. Not, I'm not saying Fox Sports have manipulated anybody. I actually love Fox Sports. I enjoy why they're a great company to work for. Just, just pointing out maybe that's what that was. Okay. 
I was very wrong about Luke Falk. Look, I make mistakes all the time. I'm wrong. If I try to be right all the time, I would always fail because I, I say like 40 things a week. I think I get 40 out of 40 right. No, I don't. But I learned a big lesson this week. I worked the last two days at an event and I learned a lot about leadership. We were watching the great icon Robert Siegel and my job was I was filming a live event. So I was there for hours and filming all kinds of different shows as people walked on the stage and yada, yada. What I learned about leadership was the loudest person in the room is not necessarily a leader. I think we have this misconceived notion, I think, about leadership that you have to be loud and boisterous and in your face to be a leader. That's how I was as a leader. And that's not the case. That does not loud does not make a leader. So for the last two days, one of my best friends in the entire world, his name is Spencer, he was my director. He has a different leadership style. Again, I was always loud and in your face. Spencer was not. But Spencer was also not quiet. Spencer just wasn't loud and obnoxious. Spencer was poised. Spencer got everybody working a camera on track. He knew the right things to say. He knew how to keep my crazy ass in line. Spencer hit a home run. Spencer was a fantastic director and a great leader. This taught me a lesson. Leaders are not always the loudest person in the room. So a while back, I made a video called Luke Falk is not an NFL quarterback. And I did Luke Falk an incredible injustice. Luke Falk, of course, is the Washington State the former Washington State quarterback who's entered the NFL draft. And I criticized Luke Falk's ability to lead. And look, I changed the tune a little bit when I watched Luke Falk at the podium on the Senior Bowl. But regardless, I was wrong. And what can I say? I was wrong. I just, I got it wrong. When I said Luke Falk was not an NFL quarterback, I miscounted his judgment. Look, I'm still concerned about Luke Falk, but criticizing Luke Falk's judgment was completely unfair. Now, I have to protect myself. <laughs> I believe Luke Falk is going to go to the New England Patriots and be the successor to Tom Brady. So if I'm going to believe that, I better say something now. But if Luke Falk does not go to the Patriots, I have very little faith he will be successful. It's, it's Patriots or bust for Luke Falk. Now, I have a huge, huge problem with Luke Falk. There's one thing that just, I can't get past. I can't get over it. It bothers me to no end. So Luke Falk played 12 games in 2017. He was all out awful, downright awful in three of those 12 games. And in one of them, Luke Falk was bad. So four out of the 12, Luke Falk was bad. And three out of the 12, that's counting, you know, Smaller. So one out of 12, he was bad. Three out of the 12, he was downright awful. In, in total, Luke Falk was bad in four games. Against Boise State, Luke Falk was benched. Against Arizona, Luke Falk was, again, benched. And against Cal, Luke Falk had five interceptions. Horrendous, horrendous, and horrendous. And Luke Falk played bad against the University of Washington. It's not all his fault. Vita Vea, the defensive tackle for UW, was just in his face. Luke Falk was running for his life all day. But nonetheless, being bad in 4 out of 12, that's, that scares me a little bit. That makes me nervous. I saw a meme the other day. It was a photographer meme. The, the first post on Craigslist said, looking for a photographer, working for free, who just wants to... What, what we'll do is, if you work for us for free, we'll tell our friends about you. And... The post beneath it changed the context. It copy-pasted that post, but replaced photographer with solar panel installation. <laughs> and said, we're asking for a free solar panel installation. And what we'll do is if you do a good job, we'll tell our friends about it. It's ridiculous, right? When you, when you change the context, it's ridiculous. Whether it's photographer or solar panel installation, you don't want to work for free. So let's look at what Luke Falk did and put it in a different context. So four out of the 12 games Luke Falk played last season, he was bad. 
What if a director was bad four out of his last 12 times? And what if three of those performances, he was so awful that in the middle of the live show, he had to be replaced with a different director? Would you have much confidence in that director if four out of the last 12 times he was awful? And three of those times, he was so bad you had to completely replace him? Hmm. I don't have a lot of faith in Luke Falk at the NFL level because I just don't know how you can look at a guy, fall apart three or 12 times, and look bad in another one of them, but then believe in him in the NFL. I, I don't. I think Luke Falk needs to go to the Patriots or he's a bust. I really do. But I will say Luke Falk is a great guy. I'm not rooting against him. I'm rooting for Luke Falk. But I have absolute concerns that I will not back down from with Luke Falk entering the NFL draft. Let's talk about Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is hurt. He's out right now. He's not playing for the San Antonio Spurs. He has a quad injury. Now the Spurs want... Kawhi Leonard back in the lineup. And Kawhi Leonard is scared to come back and re-injure himself. He does not want to make his injury worse. That's the fear. If I play again before I'm ready, I will hurt myself even more. Now, there are three perspectives when it comes to Kawhi Leonard's injury. I'm going to look at all three of them, tell you where I land, who I think is right. So the first perspective is Kawhi Leonard's teammates. If you look at San Antonio right now, they are, at least as of you know, 20 minutes ago when I started, they were the sixth seed in the NBA West. And, and, and mind you, six, seven, eight, they're all like within a game. So being the sixth seed is pretty precarious. You could easily be out of the playoffs if you lose a game or two. So it's very possible the Spurs could miss the playoffs if they don't do something and improve. They're battling really hard, man. It's, it's really close. And... Kawhi Leonard's teammates feel like, with very good reason, hey, Kawhi, if you come back, we're going to do even better. We are missing you quite a bit. Come back now, help us get better. Look, I lost an intramural playoff football game. My team was fantastic. We dominated everybody. And then all three of my receivers could not make it to a game, and we lost because uh, I was playing with guys. I literally, I love Spencer, my director. Doesn't ever play football. Love him. Love the guy really tremendously. Spencer, you're not a great receiver. <laughs> so we lost. And it was sad. I was like, man, my teammates could have played and they let me down. They chose to do something. They chose to do something else that night. And that hurt. That sucked. So I, I understand Kawhi Leonard's teammates being frustrated. Look, dude, we need you. We're going to lose without you. Now, another perspective is the Spurs management. The Spurs management probably looks at it this way. We are paying Kawhi Leonard millions of dollars we pay you to play basketball and if you're healthy enough to play you should look at it from the top down if i'm a boss which i hopefully will be someday i want to have my own company availability matters someday i want to hire a guy to edit all of my videos and produce a live show so i can do less production and more writing more broadcasting availability matters. If I have a guy who's a great director, he's fantastic, he's awesome, he's the best, but he only shows up part-time, I'm not going to hire him. I'm going to hire the guy who's maybe not as good, but he's more reliable. If I'm upper management in the Spurs franchise, I'm frustrated. Kawhi, please play. We're paying you millions of dollars. We're literally paying you to play basketball. We're paying you to show up, and you're not. I understand why Kawhi Leonard's Teammates would be frustrated. I understand why Kawhi Leonard's upper management with the Spurs would be frustrated. And I understand why Kawhi Leonard would not want to play basketball right now. There's three perspectives. His teammates, Spurs management, and then Kawhi Leonard himself. How do you think Kawhi Leonard feels? Think about it this way. The San Antonio Spurs, I hate to break it to you, the Spurs have no shot at a championship. It's not going to happen. The Spurs are not going to win an NBA title this year. They can't beat the Rockets. They can't beat the Warriors. They can't even beat the Spurs. Why risk your career? Why risk injuring yourself worse for a lost season? I get it. I understand why Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to play right now. Look at Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas 
gave his heart and soul. He played injured for the, the Boston Celtics last year. He got hurt. They traded him away. And because of that, because he played on it, Isaiah Thomas got hurt even worse. And as a result, he lost a ton of money. So if you look at it from Kawhi Leonard's perspective, if I play right now when I'm not 100%, I'm actually just going to, I'm hurting myself. I understand all three perspectives. I've been on every side of them, actually. I actually have never been hurt. I never once missed a game because I was hurt when I played football. But I get it. I I understand. And I'm actually going to side with Kawhi Leonard on this. Normally, I would say, look, buck up, play. But you're arguing over a lost season. The Spurs are not going to make to the finals. The Spurs have no hope of winning probably beyond what they're going to play the Blazers if they're the sixth seed. They play the Rockets or the Warriors. They're not going to win that series. It's over. If I'm Kawhi Leonard, I want to move on and worry about next year. It's true. Hate to break it to you, but that's that's the right mindset. That's how I see it. And I know I tend to side with the players. I tend to side with player versus team. Same way I usually side with employee versus you know corporation. But I think I think Kawhi Leonard's in the right about this. I would not want to risk my career. For a season that's basically lost. The Spurs are not going to win a championship this year. <clears throat> Some water. You know, I brushed my teeth right before the show. And I drink a hard cider. And it was awful. It's, it's like worse. So you think orange juice after you brush your teeth is bad? Try bright cider after you brush your teeth. Not good. Not at all good. It's awful. <clears throat> Talk about baseball spring training. Do not, under any circumstance, tell me spring training matters. It does not. It's a joke. I was watching, I can't remember what I was watching. I was on Instagram, actually. I saw a video of a right fielder for some team was getting interviewed in the middle of a game. Yeah, he's playing right field. He's wearing a lapel mic, getting interviewed, all while playing baseball. And a ball was hit to him, and he didn't get the ball because he was getting interviewed. You think that's real baseball? You, you think any of this has validity? Do not tell me any part of spring training matters. Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks starting quarterback, is batting for the Yankees. Do not tell me spring training matters. The Mariners, growing up, that was my favorite team. I can't watch them anymore. It breaks my heart. It's embarrassing. Multiple times, the Mariners have won the Cactus League in spring training. And never made the playoffs. Because spring training doesn't matter. It's like the NFL preseason. We watched Deshaun Kaiser, the Browns rookie quarterback. He tore it up in the preseason last year. You get to the regular season and lo and behold, Deshaun Kaiser can't play quarterback. Do not tell me spring training matters. It's, It's a joke. It's not real baseball. Don't try to convince me otherwise. You can't. It's not serious. You have guys being interviewed while they are playing right field. That's not real baseball. That's not competitive. Do not ever let your opinion get swayed by spring training. The same way you can't let your opinion get swayed by preseason football games. I switched high schools after my sophomore year. After my sophomore year of high school, I moved from Portland, Oregon to Vancouver, Washington. My first coach in Portland said I was too small. He said I was too small to play varsity quarterback, and I would never make it to college. So I left. I went to a new high school. And at the new high school in Vancouver, across the river, I broke records. I became the starting quarterback. And then the summer before my senior year, we're playing seven-on-seven seven against my old school. And all my teammates knew how much that meant to me. These are the guys that said I wasn't good enough. It meant a lot to me. It, it, deep in my soul, I wanted to beat them. I think I went 19 for 20 against them. I, I did throw an interception. It hurt a lot. It sucked. But they knew how much that meant to me. And they got really physical. My team got really physical. And my team got in a fight with them. And you know what? It meant a lot to me that they had my back. So I made a bad example the other day about Russell Westbrook. I wanted to make a better one. 
when your teammates have your back, it means a ton to you. So when Russell Westbrook got into a fight against the Portland Trailblazers, I had no problem. I supported that. I think it was really cool that Russell Westbrook, I'm not even a big Russell Westbrook fan. I thought it was very cool he was supporting his teammates. Because when my teammates supported me against my old high school, it meant a ton to me. It meant a ton to me. Hopefully it meant a lot to Russell Westbrook's teammates. I'm going to explain an ideological difference. We, I, and some people who watch this podcast on YouTube have a different opinion. I don't know that they're fans, by the way. I think they were people that just were angry and wanted to comment on YouTube. But I am one of those people who would rather try and fail than not try at all. Look at me. That sentence reflects everything I'm doing. I'm trying to start my own company. I'm trying to... My goal is instead of working for ESPN or Fox, I want to have my own broadcasting company and own it myself. I'm going for it. I'm shooting for the moon. I'm not... I'm, I might fail, but I'm going to try. I would rather try and fail than never try at all. So I got a comment on my Sam Darnold video. It said, the quarterback needs to know when to throw the ball away. Of course you're wrong. Sam Darnold is not okay having turnovers. Um, You know, it's not wrong. I agree with that point. I was a quarterback. I threw away a lot of passes in high school. If it wasn't there, I wasn't going to force it in. And I broke records. I was a great quarterback in high school. And don't get me wrong, I don't want a quarterback to throw into triple coverage. That's stupid. But you know what throws I regret the most in high school? And again, broke records. I was a good quarterback. The throws that I regret the most were the ones that I never attempted. I'd have a one-on-one on the sideline, and I would check down. And what I wish I'd done in high school was thrown more back shoulder fades Wish I'd taken more chances with my buddy Bryson, who was a great receiver. I I wish I had. I wish I'd taken more chances and pulled the trigger a little bit more. I have no problem with Sam Darnold's turnovers. I think it's what happens when you play really aggressive. You can be over-aggressive. Right now, the Rams might be signing Odell Beckham Jr. in a trade. Acquiring Odell Beckham Jr. is an example of being over-aggressive. Throwing in a triple coverage. Another example of being overly aggressive. But pulling the trigger... Taking chances, I have no problem with that. That's how Sam Darnold plays football. And so I don't I don't have any problem with Sam Darnold's turnovers. I don't mind it at all. While I was talking about Sam Darnold, I mentioned the Cleveland Browns. I called the Cleveland Browns a one-legged stool. <laughs> it was awesome, man. And I got, I got a spiteful reply. I got a, a very angry reply on YouTube that said, one-legged stools do exist. You know that, right? Sure enough, I looked it up. Apparently, there is a thing called a one-legged stool. It's called a milking stool. <laughs> Who would have thought? Are you kidding me? So I'm going to lean hard into it. I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right into this and accept it and then just go, go with it. A one-legged stool is something that may exist, but it is not something you want to own. Not at all. <laughs> you know, if you sit on a one-legged stool... You can't pick your feet up, because if you pick your feet up, you fall over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, what a one-legged stool is doing is is using your two legs as legs for the stool. It's crap. It's a, it's a joke. I, I could not believe this guy made that argument. You know, one-legged stools do exist, as if that's something anybody wants. There are a couple sports teams uh, around the world right now that are one-legged stools. A one-legged stool is something that may exist, but it's something that nobody wants. You know what exists? You know what's a thing? It is a college basketball team. That would be Washington State basketball. Washington State basketball has not had a winning season since 2011. It may exist. You don't want to be a part of it. Or or in the NBA. There is a thing called a one-legged stool. It is the... What are they, the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, I don't even know what they are. When I checked earlier today, they were 19 and 56. They were 42 games behind first place, and they were on a 10-game losing streak. They played the Clippers tonight, so my guess is right now they're 19-57 and are on an 11-game losing streak. See, you, this, the Suns may exist, but they are not something you want. They're a one-legged stool. 
I switched high schools, and after I left, my team went 0-10. One-legged stool. It may exist, but you don't want to be a part of it. You know what the ultimate one-legged stool is in the NFL? And in all of sports, in all of American sports, the number one one-legged stool is a team called the Cleveland Browns. They've been awful my entire life. They've never had a franchise quarterback. They have had two winning seasons. In all 20 years I have existed on planet Earth, they have had two winning seasons. But somehow, by an act of God, they went 9-7 and seven and made the playoffs and lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've had countless quarterbacks. They, the Browns, are an absolute joke. And you know what an absolute joke is? A one-legged stool. Nobody wants a one-legged stool. <laughs> Try standing it up on its own. It falls over. I want a chair that can stand up on its own at the very least. That's like minimum requirement for being a chair. You have to be able to stand up on your own. It's a freaking joke, everybody. Relax. A one-legged stool, not something you want. There are a lot of teams that are one-legged stools, but the ultimate one-legged stool in all of sports, the Cleveland Browns. All right. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, was that a terrible segment? I have no idea. I don't know. I was encouraged by my friends that made fun of that se- that comment that were like, dude, just lean into it, man. Make that your thing. One-legged stools are the worst. I don't know. I have no idea. When I come back, I'm going to talk about Ruben Foster. This is a sports podcast where I stick to sports. It's my goal. It's what I do. I'm going to discuss Reuben Foster, who was arrested for domestic violence. And if that's something you do not want to hear, now is your opportunity to step away. Hey, turn it off. I have no problem. I'll see you guys on Friday. Um, I, I just, I, what I don't want to do is surprise anybody with something that isn't 100% sports and catch them off guard. Because that's what I hate about Sports Center. You'll be watching sports, you'll be enjoying oh highlights and cool stuff, and suddenly a Trump presentation, and you're like, no, oh god, I'm I'm so shocked and surprised. I don't want that. I don't want to catch anybody off guard. I don't want to do anything that you guys don't want to hear. So, um, if you guys have no interest in the Reuben Foster domestic violence topic, no problem, no harm, no foul. Hope you have a great rest of your day. I'll see you guys. I'll be back on Friday. The podcast will come on earlier. Um, and, and I just appreciate you guys, man. I, I do not want to emulate sports center. I care for my listeners. I care for their happiness and uh, I want you guys to have a good time. So my name is Zach Schaumler. You can subscribe to strong opinion sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about strong opinion sports. Help me grow the podcast by telling your friends about it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow strong opinion sports by telling your friends about it. My name is Zach Schumler. I'll be right back. I'm not going to try and hide it. I am very nervous about this. I'm uncomfortable. I don't really... I'm nervous to talk about this topic because domestic violence is a terrible, terrible thing. I, I know people, close friends, who have been victims of domestic violence. It's a very serious topic. It's not something to joke about. It's, it's a very real thing. And I'll be very honest, when Reuben Foster was arrested on charges for domestic violence, I avoided the topic. I didn't talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it because this is a sports podcast. This is not a domestic violence podcast. And and in this segment, I'm not going to take any kind of moral high ground. Everybody is entitled to their own opinion. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to think. It's not my goal. My goal is to say my piece. And kind of leave it to you guys to decide. Leave it to you guys. Again, close, close friends of mine have been victims of domestic violence. It's a very real thing. You should not take domestic. I, I don't take domestic violence lightly. And Reuben Foster put the 49ers in a tough place. The question has been asked. Should the 49ers keep Reuben Foster on their roster? In 2017, at the NFL Combine, Reuben Foster tested positive for a diluted sample. That means Reuben Foster failed a drug test. And you had to know. You had to know drafting Reuben Foster was a risk for the 49ers. Now, there's something very important you must know about the NFL. It's it's, it's a key thing. If you're going to be an NFL fan, it's important to know. The better you are, 
the more crap a team is willing to put up with. So I saw a story, I believe it was today, today or yesterday, the Seahawks backup quarterback, Trevon Boykin, uh, was given an aggravated assault charge. He was released immediately, within uh, probably within the hour. As soon as they found out, he was gone. Because in the NFL, unless you are really, really good, your career cannot survive controversy like that. Take Odell Beckham Jr., for instance. Odell Beckham Jr. does all kinds of antics, takes pictures on boats in the middle of the season. He's in Paris with some kind of substance and a model and pizza. If an average receiver, take River Craycraft. River Craycraft is a backup wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. You've probably never heard of him. If River Craycraft pulls the same stunts that Odell Beckham Jr. has pulled in the last two years, River Craycraft would be out of the league. He would be released. He'd be done. But because Odell Beckham Jr. is incredibly talented, he gets different treatment. It's the truth. That shouldn't be controversial. That's just honest truth. The more talented you are, the more an NFL organization is willing to put up with. What Reuben Foster did was awful. And I believe Reuben Foster, if found guilty, remember, all of the charges against Reuben Foster, it's all alleged. Because we need to let the justice system work. We don't actually know. Okay. We have an idea. We don't know. Because it's it's all alleged. Right now, he is innocent until proven Guilty. We need to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let the justice system do its work. Now, if he is guilty of domestic violence, I believe the NFL should punish Reuben Foster. Because you cannot send the message that domestic violence is okay. Can't do it. But I also do believe people can change. And I believe in second chances. If I made a huge broadcasting mistake, maybe this segment is my huge broadcasting mistake, I would hope that you would give me a second chance. I I make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. That's a big one. But I I would hope if I made a mistake, I would get a second chance. I believe in second chances. Do you want the truth about Reuben Foster? Reuben Foster is a really good football player. Reuben Foster is not average. He's well above average. He's maybe a top five rookie last season in the NFL. That helps him. That will help Reuben Foster. See, Johnny Menzel... Johnny Manziel is not an NFL starter. So that that makes Johnny Manziel not worth the trouble. Johnny Manziel's, sorry, Reuben Foster, on the other hand, is a fantastic football player. And investing in Reuben Foster could pay off tremendously for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, what Reuben Foster allegedly did is not okay. And, and I'm not sure. I don't know if Reuben Foster's a good person, a bad person. I, I don't know. It's not really black and white anyways. But I do know that Reuben Foster has made many mistakes. And my initial response when I saw Reuben Foster get arrested was to compare him to Tiger Woods. I almost did that. And then I remembered, okay, no, um, cheating on your wife is not illegal. It may not be morally right. But when Tiger Woods cheated on his wife, I didn't care. I was like, who cares? He, he cheated on his wife. But domestic violence is not really comparable to cheating on your wife because domestic violence is illegal and you can get in trouble for that. When I do think of Reuben Foster, what I can't help think of is what I can't stop from thinking of. I think of Chris Carter and I think of Randy Moss. Chris Carter and Randy Moss were two troubled wide receivers that the Vikings brought in and helped get onto the right track. Chris Carter is a Hall of Famer. Randy Moss is a Hall of Famer in no small part because of the Vikings' willingness to invest in not just the football player Randy Moss, not just the football player Chris Carter. They invested in the person. The 49ers have an opportunity to help Reuben Foster out. They have an opportunity to help him get back on track. They can invest in not just the football player. They can invest in Reuben Foster the person, not just help him on the field, but help him off of the field. If, if he's guilty, punish him. 
Maybe suspend him for the season. I don't know what the right... It's not my job. Thank God it's not. But I hope Ruben Foster learns, if guilty, that... And I hope he knows anyways. Domestic violence is not okay. Can't do that. It's very important to say right now that the charges are allegations. Again, got to be clear. Ruben Foster was innocent until proven guilty. I'm going to let the legal system do its job. But the point of all this is to say... Domestic violence is not okay. It's not cool. It's awful. I know victims of domestic violence. It's, it's a terrible thing. And if it is determined that Reuben Foster is guilty of domestic violence, he should be punished. But I do also believe in second chances. If I made a mistake, I would hope you guys would give me a second chance. The 49ers could help Reuben Foster in a way very similar that the Minnesota Vikings helped a young Randy Moss. Don't just invest in Reuben Foster, the football player. The 49ers could make a real difference if they invest in Reuben Foster, the human being on and off the football field. It's my opinion. You're entitled to yours. I don't mean to tell anyone what to think. Not my goal. I've shared my opinion. You're entitled to yours. But I I kept getting asked to talk about Reuben Foster, and I, I... I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know if I made the right decision. I'm, I'm very nervous to put this out. Maybe really stupid. This may be a huge mistake I make, and, and uh, that terrifies me. And again, I, I have no intentions of offending anybody. That's not what I want to do. Probably never going to talk about anything that's not sports ever again on this podcast. To be quite honest, because I'm, I'm I'm petrified right now. I'm terrified. Uh, and, and that's all I have. I'm, I'm very excited. Friday will be a good podcast. For now, uh, I hope you had a great show. I hope you enjoyed that segment. Good night and good luck.